Hello again, and welcome to the next exciting installment of the Who Cares About Anime podcast. How you doing, everybody? Uh, I got the next episode for you here. I'm, I assume that's why you're here. And, uh, of course, as always, I have a great couple of guests here who uh, are also friends and peers in the anime viewing and critiquing world. Let me go through the introductions here. First off, it's been a while, but if you've been a long-time listener, this will be a familiar voice. Say hi to Payton. I have only changed in that my hair has grown about seven inches since you last heard me. I know it'll make a difference. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. And they'll just they'll just have to take your word for it. Cause, uh, it's I... luscious. It's oh. luscious. That's all I'll say. Well, all right then. That's, uh, and <laughs> another gentleman with uh, luscious hair, shall we say, uh, is a mutual friend of ours. And it's his first time on this particular cast. Here's Jordan. I keep it in a nice kind of short Q-sack, you know, a high and tight beard, but, you know, it's whatever. I'm beautiful. How are you guys? All right. Well, pressure's on with me. I'm the two, these two lovely boys here, two beautiful boys. You, uh, you have just <laughs> as much lovely hair. Don't even lie. Oh, well, it, uh, I've been told. We have the perfect looks for podcasting. I, yeah, <laughs> that's, hey, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's, I've heard that comment before. you got a great before. face for radio. Great face for radio. That's a great face for podcasting. That's, that's perfect. Well, I, I don't foresee the goofiness ending there, folks, because the title that we are going to talk about today is the one, the only, Fooly Cooly. Or Furikuri. Furikuri? What is Furikuri? We're going to be talking a little bit about that, and so obviously, um, here's your spoiler warning. If you have not seen Furikuri and don't want anything spoiled for you, I would uh, I would stop listening now if I were you. Uh, it, it's worth the watch. It's only six episodes, and uh, you, why have it spoiled? But anyway, without further ado, here we go. I'm going to ask each of you individually here. Peyton, you know the drill by now. What made you want to watch it? Oh, uh, well, as far as me hearing about it, uh, that would be called puberty. Uh, I it was on, I think it was on Adult Swim at that point. Uh, it's one of those shows. I watched the first episode when it premiered. I didn't know it was premiering or that it was a new show. I just saw uh, that there was anime on. I was like, oh, okay, let's let's see what this is. And uh, I think what made me actually want to keep watching it was just the fact that the entire first episode, I was asking myself, what the ever-loving fuck is going on right now? Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it was, it was very interesting. Uh, the entire, the entire time I watched this, uh, uh, especially when they did the, the slow-mo, slow-mo kiss moment, and then they, they immediately break the fourth wall to explain that they're actually intentionally going in slow motion to get this effect. I, I, I was just like, all right, this is just absurd enough to watch it. Um, I was, I think, like, 12, 13 at the time when this came out, and uh, when when I, 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 hadn't, I didn't watch it for a long time after, and then suddenly uh, I, I, I reached early college, and somebody's like, oh, yeah, you, you do know what that show's about, don't you? And uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But uh, I, I watched it a second time, kind of was like, wow, how did I not notice that? And then I just watched it a third time yesterday, and... Uh, all I have to say is this show is 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 probably one of the most beautiful, absurdist, surrealist romps I've ever seen. So yeah, that that was that's me. Man, excellent, uh, and it's good to have you back, by the way, Peyton. I don't know if I said that. It's but, good to uh... be back. I've missed you. <laughs> I've missed you all. Oh man. So uh, Jordan, I'll, I'll uh, ask the same question to you now. Um, when did you first when did you first hear about Fooly Cooly, and what made you want to watch it? Well, I first got in a hearse when I was, uh, you know, at a really low point in my life. And, uh, okay, no, um, let's see, when was it? Uh, it came out like two, 2000, right? Uh, I, I was just uh, only seven years old, and that was when I would still spend very, very late nights just uh, scanning through channels. Because, you know, what doesn't happen when you're streaming, you don't get to just stumble upon shows out of nowhere at two in the morning that you become obsessed with for the rest of your life. I can't tell you how many times that's happened, like probably half of them on Adult Swim and Toonami. But yeah, I just, just found it scanning, uh, hopped in on the first episode, and it was... It was not brand new when I saw it, but they were. It was not long after the series wrapped, and they were running just all six episodes in a row. So I just got 
face blasted with this stuff all at all at once uh, and we'll get into the, the psychosexual uh, drama uh, later and talk more about face blasting but um i don't know I, I i'm really addicted to just i mean anything by gynex and trigger will get really cool stuff and a lot of really cool uh freudian youngian uh really fourth wall breaking weird metaphor but what really hooked me was uh at the end of every episode when i was doing Payton, what Payton said and just going like what the fuck for a while uh that that riff uh from rise on shooting star by the pillows would start up and i'd be like oh fuck yeah i'm in for more i'm in for more that's how i got in Man, well, thank you both for sharing. I uh, I'm either lucky or unlucky. I, I'm gonna say unlucky, but I'm I'm not sure. That yeah, again, yeah, that would have been 2000, 2001, somewhere thereabouts. And I too would have been prepubescent, right on the cusp of puberty. And so maybe an ideal time to watch it, but I kind of missed out on it. And it wasn't until many years later. Uh, probably about 10 years later, actually, from, from that point, and uh, some friends of mine uh, in our little lineup, our ritual, what we would do in college, we call them Anime Fridays, and we would usually get together, and you can only guess what we did on Fridays when we were partaking in Anime Fridays. Yes, we were watching anime. That That is what we were doing. And uh, so um, I, I, it, was a, it was a friend who was like, hey, have you seen this? And I was like, uh, oh, no, no, I, I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, Fooly Cooly, what? Yeah, what is that? He's like, we're going to watch it. You in? And I was like, yeah, I'm in. I just went in with an open mind and said, I don't know what the heck this is going to be about, really, but let's do it. And by the end of my first viewing, I still didn't know what the heck it was about. Had no friggin' clue. But, you know, over the years uh, and subsequent viewings and uh, like uh, both of you probably in preparation for this podcast, I had a more recent viewing and I just appreciate it more every time I see it. And uh, so what made me want to watch it, it was just just uh, the kindness of one of my friends. Uh, I, I should thank him for uh, for putting me onto it. And uh, and now that I know that that keeps me uh, returning to it. Uh, over and over again over the years and knowing is half the battle that and there's our public service announcement that makes the rest of everything we do okay on this, <laughs> on this wait really i got we we got free reign sweet no you <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> i just made the greatest rainbow over my head yeah, don't, oh, don't misunderstand. it's beautiful, Payton. Oh, I wish I could see the rainbow. Oh, you can just imagine it. You can uh, taste the rainbow, but yeah, you can taste it. Just think real hard. Oy vey. here we go. So, <laughs> I think I know the answer to this already. The simple part. I was going to ask both of you if you enjoyed it, but uh, going into detail, whether you did or didn't, I, I have my hunch. Uh, you know, what was it that you really liked about it? And we'll start with you, Payton. Well. Okay, I, I mentioned at the beginning, I, I love anything absurdist, and that that sticks true from 10-year-old me through 27-year-old me. I absolutely love absurdism. I love surrealism. And it's hard to imagine a show that does either one of them better than Fooly Cooly, in my opinion. Um, I also credit Fooly Cooly with my incredibly strange views on sexuality and my interest in girls with pink hair. That aside, I will say that uh, Fooly Cooly was what, what kept me going was just the fact that you never knew what was going to happen. Like, you didn't know if everything was going to turn out okay, but not just that, like, you didn't know if the characters were going to, like, stay looking like an anime, if they were going to change to a totally different art style, uh, if they were going to look like South Park suddenly, if someone's eyebrows were going to fall off. There is something really <laughs> disturbing and wonderful uh, about Fooly Cooly. And uh, I, I don't know, as far as specific things that I enjoyed, like, I... I don't think there's anything I, I don't enjoy about Fooly Cooly. Uh, I did notice this last time... I, I, well, first of all, I noticed all the incredible amount of phallic objects and, and, and dick jokes throughout the entire series, which, uh, you know, when I was younger, I, I kind of missed a lot of them. Uh, I don't know, the older I'm like, man, that that was that was slapping you in the face. It wasn't even subtle. Uh, but I think probably my favorite thing about it is just how willing they are to just 
be loony, just be crazy. Between, uh, I, I noticed that pretty much at no time throughout the series, pretty much every time that he fires off his cannon, it's right after a girl has like done something with him, and it's just I was just like, oh man, that that symbolism's delightful. And uh, but I think my favorite point in this entire series is uh, is our is our heroine just sitting there. Like, you know, you because you question what what is she doing? I'm an alien. Like what like, you know, no, but what are you really like Naoto's never willing to accept her answers on anything. On anything. But yet she's blatant with it. Even when at one point she's asked, like, you know, who are you? Uh and she just answers, Oh, you know, something along the lines of a a physical manifestation of your uh of your youthful hopes and dreams or something something along those lines. I can't remember the exact wording. She breaks the fourth wall to tell her own symbolism in a surrealist show, and I I, I have to say I, I agree with Jordan Gynax and and everything. It's just there's nothing that comes out of them that's not good, and, and this this I, I would have to say is probably probably my favorite Gynax uh, franchise. So and and uh, because of that, I'm really excited about the fact they're doing season two and three. I just hope they do it right. I echo all of those sentiments there, absolutely. So, uh, well, w- what about you, Jordan? What did you like about Fooly Cooly? I can I can fight you on, uh, like, real quick, I can, I can fight you on everything out of Gynex being being good, but, uh, yeah, the, va- the vast majority of... <laughs> Let, let me let me put let me put a let me put a disclaimer on that then most of Gynax's stuff that has has reached any form of any form of notoriety is usually pretty damn good Gurren Logan season two rage rage I don't know if Gurren Logan all right I'm not I'm not gonna get on that tangent but I will say I don't know if Gurren Logan is awful but then again I just I get disheartened whenever whenever I think of Kamina so I can't really continue Oh, the you series. haven't gotten past yeah so you no, I've, got, I've gotten into season two. I've gotten into, season, <laughs> I've gotten into season 2 We've gotten but, too far away and that's my fault <laughs> Okay um, no, we'll bring it back but, on track Yeah no I'm uh I, I yeah I absolutely loved it um so I I picked up the manga like I mean, it was it was years after after the fact, but I picked it up not long after it came out. When did the manga come out? It came out after the series, but uh, I can't place the year. Definitely, like I think I like I said, I saw the show when I was like seven or eight. Uh, like some would say, way too young to watch Fully Cooly, but I spent my life being raised by television and mostly like the the Simpsons and whatnot. So it was par for the course but um i picked picked up the manga years later and the the changes that they made in that just like very slight changes uh that i need to, I, I should have gone back and reread the manga too i only i only rewatched the the show for this but uh it's re- it's really interesting to see just what couple things they uh they changed and added in there like there's a whole scene where uh, he's playing chess with an old dude in a in a park, like while he's halfway in the body of Conti, and then like promptly gets gets shat out as he's wont to do. But uh, so like be, because of the stuff that like the differences there and like how much more there was to this world, like how it's just like a huge uh, galaxy spanning space opera in its concept but it's all just focused on like the uh niceties of a sexual angsted up preteen i like i i love it i the way they turn into a really like sometimes overwrought uh metaphoric showpiece but uh it's still like i mean it, it knows it knows when it's being overwrought that's like when when they decide to just like bring a hammer to the fourth wall or just uh completely completely shit on some uh very like phallic or sexual concept that they're throwing out there in visual metaphor because they they want to make it like super preteen and awkward and uh it's a lot of really nice touch you get to see a lot of that uh you get to see a lot of that come back in space patrol luluco especially i don't know if you guys have caught that one yet but it, it has a it has a ton of, of FLCL mixed in with 
like everything else Gynex and Trigger had done up to that point. Have, have you guys seen that one? No, I've not I, seen no. that one Sorry. yet. It's, <laughs> you've, told, you've told me about it, and uh, I just need to find where to stream it from. So um, it might hell, it might be on Verve now that they mixed up with Crunchyroll, but uh, it's re it's really worth a worth a look. Basi basically, uh, a little little girl who can very almost the exact same animation. Uh, she can turn into a space laser gun the same way that Nauta in Conti turns into a giant penis dragonfly gun. But uh, in space in Space Patrol Luluco, it's all just like very cute vignettes of like a very very sweet and. Uh, uh, like young love kind of kind of thing but then in every episode they're just like taking a massive dump on one of their previous shows like they have a whole episode for like kill a kill stuff and one for little witch academia stuff and it's it's a good fun time all right you know that's i'll have to look into that i might have seen now that you said the vignettes i might have seen a, a couple of those crop up here and there but uh you know thank you for the response and the recommendation there uh, you know, I, uh, Peyton, that was a nice, succinct answer, and catch-all is like, well, what, what didn't I like about it? Um, you know, like, uh, like, and like you said, Jordan, it, it, it's got all of this, um, you, you feel like you're just getting the tip of the iceberg, and there's a lot of other concepts that feel like they're very much there, they could have been, uh, you know, fleshed out more, I guess, so to speak, but, you know, the, the, I, I do appreciate that the you know the focus of it is um you know in a way i think fully cooly is for a generation kind of in a similar vein to like breakfast club or reality bites or something like that it's 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 not it, there's nothing else really like it but just in the sense that it's that whole youthful angst it's the whole oh, adults are so dumb they don't understand anything and you know you got the teenage blues and 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 you know all of that stuff thrown in uh, in a coming-of-age story. I really like the characters. Naoto, of course, who I, I've heard that uh, his name, I guess that means, like, honest. So how about that? Haruko, I mean, she she's a force of nature, you know? And I think you, you paid, and both you probably know, I, I do kind of like female characters like that, shall we say. <laughs> um, just when a some sort of space alien slash demon just comes into your life and just, just wrecks it all to heck, but in the best possible way. Um, and even Mamimi, um, you know, Naoko's older brother's girlfriend. Um, I think she gets shortchanged a lot, and... You know, I, I think even she is, she's not just this throwaway character. Um, I was even just thinking, you know, I, who knows if there's anything really there or not. Uh, that's what you run into when a work is so metaphorical. Uh, sometimes you're hitting dead ends and, and, and whatnot. But this last viewing, I noticed, like, almost every scene she's in, she's, like, in or, or on or she's near a bridge, and I was like, is that supposed to be metaphorical for like, oh, she's she's stuck in between these worlds. You know, her her she's this high schooler, uh, her boyfriend, Naoko's brother, left her behind and she can't go with them. But she wanted to clearly. Uh, but, you know, she's hanging out with uh, with Naoko and you know, every every time his peers see her, it's, it's like, oh, it's her. You know, she's kind of, you know, looked down upon as she doesn't really belong hanging out with these younger kids and. Um, you know, so I, I thought even that was a really interesting character. Oh, and another one, it's hilarious. Before we started this cast, we had a really unrelated discussion about cyborgs and androids and stuff. And <laughs> I think I had watched it subtitled before. So I watched it dubbed this time. Also very enjoyable for me. And there's this, this part where, um, <laughs> where he's, where he was dressed as a Nazi, uh, the dad, um, and they were having that shooting match. And it's after the one girl, you know, she was trying to snipe Conti and she fell into the river and he's swimming in the background and, and he's, I just hear him go, robots are different from cyborgs. And it, I don't know why that just, that just fucking, I busted a gut there. <laughs> like everything else in this series, it's like, that doesn't even make sense. Probably, maybe, but at the same time, I don't care. It doesn't have to. It, it made me laugh. It was entertaining. And, um, and it, it is all its own. There's, there's nothing else like Fooly Cooly, really.
So on that kind of note, we've all kind of, you know, been treading these waters of uh, basically the way I had it worded in my head and how I, you know, wrote it down for the prompt here is, if anything, and we've kind of already touched on a a lot of it there, the whole, uh, you know, sexual awakening and going through puberty and stuff, but, you know, what the hell do you think Fooly Cooly is about? And is there a method to some of the madness? Um, Or is it is it just is it just craziness to be crazy? And uh, we'll start again with you, Peyton. Well, I think first you have to ask yourself: Is it fooly or is it cooly? Um, no, I uh, uh, no the uh, I, I I've the first time I watched this, I, I I've gotten a multiple part answer here. I guess uh, I know that like what they've the, they've flat out said it, it. It's a surrealist romp through puberty. And I think it does that beautifully well. The first time I watched that, I prepubescent, didn't get that. Um, second time I watched it, having that in my head, I was like, wow, this is, yeah, this is pretty blatant. I was like analyzing, kind of like you're talking about the bridge stuff. I hadn't caught that one. That's really interesting. I'll have to watch for that next time. I, I analyzed a lot of the different uh, different aspects of it and some of the character arcs. The, the one thing I've noticed about this series is it's, more about character arcs than it is about a story arc. It has a definitive story arc, but it's so off the walls, just bouncy that it it's easy for that to get lost. I caught a lot more the third time watching it. But that's the thing. The second time I was like analyzing, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is probably symbolic for this. This is this is like a joke on this. And then I watched it the third time. I'm like, you know what? What this show is about is just whatever you get out of it. This is very much surrealist in its truest form. It is it is got some definite symbolism there. I mean, like we all know what he's shaped like when he fires. It's always when uh I, I just got the freaking uh time when they they fire him out and there's an orb and it, it lands uh on a on a sign for like Hitman three or something like that and later on this glowing orb you think he's been in the in Conti this whole time and then suddenly that little like white orb falls down and just like oozes and he's just kind of like laying on the ground They're like ew he's all sticky <laughs> and i heard that i'm like oh man like this this, this is just it's just one of those shows it's not afraid to push the line but it also doesn't have enough of a line to really push it, it is so all over the place that i think this the show yes it's about puberty yes it's about just having fun with this but i i think more than anything fully cooly is it's really about whatever you can can draw from it they they have characters that are such archetypes in some ways but yet are are so wonderfully symbolic of teen angst in so many different ways uh between haro being kind of the like rebellious like all these, you know, the the breaking the norm type thing. Donauta being like, oh well, no, no, no. This is the way things are supposed to be. The way we are, prepubescent, uh, pre, you know, self awakening, and then he grows into his whole thing, um, and into kind of his character. Uh, and the, even Mamimi, like the the whole idea of like that that unrequited love. Like he has he has a little bit of a thing with her at the beginning. They they always show, but like he always seems so disinterested and there's just this certain amount of like her character just being the the person that everyone's apathetic about but yet wants to love at the same time like there there's so much to every character that i think the more than anything fully cooly is about character arcs it's about the characters themselves it's a character piece and even though it has a, a plot line i think unless you're looking at the individual characters and their interactions and their story arcs, you're missing the joy of the show. And also if you don't just bust a gut laughing or laugh until you cry with the show, you are doing it wrong. On, on that, uh, what you're saying about it being a character piece and being like very focused on the, on the characters. Like, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's the thesis of, the whole thing it seems because they they've also admitted just as much that uh, and especially since they started playing seasons two and three that there's this huge space opera intergalactic war going on while they're just hanging out in this in this little town but they uh, decided to just focus on this little town and like the the crazy implications that that like their their emotional state has on the creatures that are waging this war like i love i love the hell out of that and that 
uh, kind of worries me as they're talking more and more about the second and third seasons, how they're uh, potentially reaching out more into like the war between medical Mechanica and uh, space pirate. But I don't know. It's, I, I absolutely believe that there was a lot of thought and method that went into making that decision. Cause this was 2001, 2002. They were just coming off the heels off of like, clerks and friday and like these shows that were uh like really showing how much you could like how much of a story you could create in such a such a little place like such a such a small area they're just almost always hanging out under this bridge or just hanging out at nauta's place or uh just hanging out at the school there's like only really the three key locations and they still incorporated into this enormous battle and these weird creatures that are that are showing up so it's uh between between that and all of the sexual metaphor like how how these things that it, it feels like there's sort of an undercurrent of like how the how our emotions and like what can be considered as small mind states and stories where you'd be like saving the world from a giant space laser or something like that it brings them together and makes it makes it relevant and actually gives those uh like kind of inane moments and like very high like emotional or sexual moments to uh to a larger galactic stage in a way <laughs> So very, very much like uh, God, whoever the guy who wrote James Bond and Chronicles of Narnia and stuff, all those guys, the British spy authors, but very much like them, Fooly Cooly is just using its dick to save the world. That's such an interesting way to put it. And uh... did, you, did you throw in Chronicles of Narnia with James Bond just now, or did I mishear that? Dude, all those dude, all those guys, uh, dude, who created Winnie the Pooh too. I think like all these British authors who lived through World War Two, they were like hiring them to go to fancy parties and like do the do the whole like honeypot trick to seduce uh, the wives and mistresses of war like German war generals, and they saved so many lives out of the now, tip of their dicks. Now you're now you're saying that, and that makes me want to do a similar fooly cooly analysis to Winnie the Pooh because I think the honeypot is a deeper symbolism. Oh, Bob! But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> I meant that sincerely. Damn it! <laughs> oh my god! Uh, you know, I, this takes me back to uh, to a lot of the fun, crazy discussions that uh, we three and and I've had with both of you individually over the years. I, I missed that as a side note, but. Uh, if I could just yeah put it put in here uh, you know obviously it's been said so much undercurrent of of puberty and yet as has been said it's it's also it's right there it's 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 not shying away from it either um, I I think uh, I mean so many scenes but like the one where the back of his head is like uh, and and that's a good way to put it uh, Peyton Looney like a cartoon the back of his head becomes a jack. And, you know, it's like he's not he, – like, he, he doesn't want to kiss Haruko. Like, his uh, – I did not major in psychology, so I have no room to, to do this. But I just – when I was watching it, I thought, oh, he – his child self, he does not want to do that. But, you know, his hormones and his body and stuff were like, oh, yes, you do. And it's 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 that whole weird feeling of when you're, you know, start going through puberty and you're just like, oh, you know, what's happening to me? Uh, You know, like – I body's going nuts it's going crazy uh another important theme i think throughout is is like you were saying jordan like and i i hope they don't lose this core element with the um the the future iterations that as of this recording are not out yet uh looking forward to that though high hopes anyway uh it is that whole the small town feel and that was something that you know i really identified with it i'm from a small town and that's something you can identify with, whether you're from Japan, the U.S., uh, the U.K., or wherever. That whole feeling of, you know, living in a dead-end town, and I remember Naoto narrating at times and being like, oh, nothing ever happens here. Um, it almost makes me think of, um, you know, of all things, I, I, you know, I always found Groundhog Day, uh, the movie with Bill Murray, actually had some surprisingly profound moments. And one of them I thought of was, what would you do if 
hypothetically you were stuck in the same place and every day was exactly the same and nothing you did mattered. And, you know, he was in his crazy predicament. And I, I think the, the guys at the bar were like, oh, that pretty much sounds like, like, you know, our lives. You know, I think a lot of uh, kids can, uh, and people for that matter, can, can relate to that. And I think Fooly Cooly really strums that chord just right. Wordplay intended very much. And nice shout out for the pillows there. You got to have the pillows if you're going to have Fooly Cooly. Apologies if you don't mind me jumping in. Uh, I, I can definitely appreciate the the sentiment of connection to a small town. When, uh, but I am also not one to turn down a space opera. But my, my main concern is that the absurd becomes a lot less absurd when you surround it with more absurd. They didn't. I feel like they didn't have to toe that line as much because, like, and this is this is something that I cheat at in my own work, where, where like, if something ridiculous shows up in like your supermarket, then it's a lot easier to understand that that's ridiculous. But if they're all like, if they're out in space and going to war and stuff, everything like everything I'm looking at in front of me says that it's like a young a young girl who like Haruko shows up to be her teacher and then medical Mechanica attacks the town and a bunch of crazy stuff. So they, they might not even get out of the town at all again, but who knows? And, and just sorry to, to extend that further. I, I just have to say like this show was coming off of like the, the era of, Dragon Ball Z being a thing. It's it's coming after some of these really super high octane stuff, and it manages to still have high octane action scenes. While, like you're saying, it has that small town feel, but I think part of the beauty of it is, at any moment, the real can be interrupted by the absurd, but just as importantly, the absurd can be interrupted by really real moments of emotion and of like actual like just regular everyday life and and I'll, I'll hit more on that later but i just had to pop in with that while you're on that no topic. no thank you both i i was also going to say another thing um you know again i i'm not going to take back by saying there there is nothing else like fooly cooly but one of the closest things i can think of to it uh along the lines we've been talking about is like a grown-up version of fooly cooly in a way if uh if ever you you uh, either you gents or any listeners get a chance, I highly recommend it. It's called The Legend of Black Heaven. And it's very much not around the, the puberty coming of age. It's, you know, your later years in life. And amazingly, it's that whole double whammy of it's an homage to all things rock and roll. And, like, they even get into it explicitly with uh, Fooly Cooly, uh, that I've watched it again and, and noticed the whole left brain and right brain and so I think that was really also kind of a commentary on, you know, creativity itself and, uh, and expression itself and, uh, and, and just rock and roll itself. I remember Haruko at one point, um, she probably plays the guitar with, with left hand, right hand. I should pay attention. But like when she was naming off these rock stars and one of them was Jimi Hendrix and she was strumming it left-handed and, you know, Jimi Hendrix was left-handed and I'm like, I think they meant to do that. And, you know, so it's just, just a lot of awesome little stuff like that. And, um, you know, that's about all I had, you know, up on the, uh, chopping block. But if there's, if there's any other things people want to talk about, um, you know, I was just kind of leave it open for discussion here. Like, Oh, oh yes. Oh, cause oh yes. <laughs> I guess, I, guess I, I, I want some input from you two guys. Cause I, I have very strong feelings on it. The uh, and I guess I'll just get mine out of the way here, but like the the finale, I've I've heard a lot of people like complain, like a lot of other fans complain about the finale, and then I've heard just as many fans say it's one of the best best finales for this show. Um, I, I think I think what can be agreed on though is that this this show has one of the weirdest like anti climax moments, and like like really no like the resolution is that nothing panned out like he in the middle of this intense like you know space opera high high octane fighting moment between uh him inside of or like him as the pirate king fighting haruko and then them just duking at uh, duking it out and then he suddenly turns back into himself tells her he loves her and then and, and then and then kisses her and 
it's just this like really like him embracing who he is and embracing his his feelings for him kind of kind of growing up and then what happens a few seconds later the pirate king leaves and she just she just leaves after him she says he can follow along but he doesn't follow along he doesn't follow what he, he wants there he meanwhile the other girl who he's had a thing with mamimi just uh decides she wants to be a photographer leaves he never hears from her or like he he says i i don't really know what happened to her after that it is the to me to me that anti-climax is beautiful because to me it, it sums up like young romance it sums up like young feelings and young adventures it's like yeah it seems like this huge big deal but in the end it's probably not going to affect your life long it's probably going to go away as soon as you as soon as you blink so i was just interested in in, in kind of you guys's take on the last episode as a whole and kind of the climax to the series well i can i can like uh get on like all sorts of all sorts of stuff and what she says like a bunch of like real interesting ideas i love that i love the hell out of the the ending like i think that's sort of the the cap on the the surrealist romp is just to to end it with kind of this deadpan realization it's like it, and it's like i don't i don't see it as things not working out for him because it's ju- just this deadpan realization that like maybe he was maybe he was looking in the wrong direction like maybe hit the way he handled this was him just kind of like not focusing on the on the big picture because like, he, he saved the world like several times <laughs> Like he sa- saves the goddamn world se- several times. Like he's a he's a hero. Like people know he's he's done this stuff, and like meanwhile he's been just like pile driving in and out from these uh, from these would be relations. And it's like while he's doing that, he's kind of like half assing it and distracted and thinking he's too big for his britches and all that. So I think I think that like in terms of growing up as opposed to like him telling Haruko that he, he loved her and kissing her and stuff like that's, I, th- I think that was maybe like a, a regression in his growing up. And that got uh, kind of like stomped in the stomped in the bud when things just, just had to, had to end. Cause like Har- Haruko's a like sp- a space pirate rock star. She's like too big to stick around. He's too little to, to come with her even if he has like space rock god powers now but uh you know mamimi is broke as fuck and got a break being a photographer that's like a win for her because like what the what was she doing with with now to just like fooling around with his kid as a proxy for his brother and crazy nonsense like that and then uh god i'm blanking on her name his uh his classmate and if any if anything they were flirting at the end like doing their their whole rapport so it's like i wouldn't even say that like that was the the crash of young love for for his instance but i mean the way that real like in contrast to or not in contrast but in support of everything they've been doing like bashing the real and the absurd against each other uh i think the ultimate climax had to be the anti-climax it had it had to be where uh, things just snapped back to reality or else it, I don't think it could have been a real ending for the show. And I mean, now we know it's not a real ending for the show because they're coming back with it, but it, it was a, it was a good end. I liked it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I like what you said, Peyton about um, the whole, you know, maybe young love and, you know, just things in general, like uh, um, obviously the phallic references and stuff, but even something like I thought when, you know, he was uh, he was covering up his forehead when Conti first showed up going to school. And, you know, that reminded me of like, you know, back when like a pimple. Oh, that was that was just the end of the world. You know, when you're in, you know, you're in middle school or whenever you were, you know, hitting puberty. It, 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 it you know, and it's just funny to look back on how like, oh, it, it you know, these inconsequential things that we thought the universe revolved around. Really, they didn't. Um, I think also kind of a vibe of... Um, you know, maybe that whole, maybe it's just me, I don't know, I, I know it's not just me, but, but like, um, you know, that whole feeling of, like, your, you know, your first crush, your first, you know, oh, I'm in love with so-and-so, it, maybe it's a celebrity, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's someone's older sister, maybe it's a babysitter, maybe it's something like that, and it's like, 
you know, you as a, as a, as a little kid, like, you know, you just have no concept of like, this is not going to go anywhere. It, it, it's, it's not like, what, what do you think? Like, Oh, we'll run away, you know, together or something like it's, it, it's not going to happen. I remember that, that line at the end, Haruko was like, so what about it? You, you want to go with me? And then like two seconds later, before he can even answer, she's like, nah, you're still just a kid anyway. Um, I really like what you said there, Jordan, like the ultimate climax for Fuli Kuli is, is the anticlimactic or is the anticlimax. Um, because, you know, I, I, I got to admit when you first posed that question, Peyton, and it's a good one, you know, my, response to somebody if they didn't like it which is the ending which is valid i would just kind of turn around and go well how would you end it then and i would uh, genuinely i'm not saying oh they'll never come up with something it's like i i really would love to hear someone's response to that because as jordan said and i i think you you know both said in your own way it's like i i don't think there's any other way that you really could have ended this crazy ride that was fully coolly. I mean, it's just, you know, it's this, it, and, and I like that it was just six episodes, this nice self-contained thing. And even though we're going to have more later, which is great, we, we still have, you know, fully coolly, um, kind of the way I view the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, like the other stuff, like especially the newest stuff. I'm like, I, I don't even know. I don't I got my, I got my first Pirates movie here. I could quote verbatim. That was great. That's all I need. And <laughs> <laughs> At least I could fall back on that with Vooly Cooley, but I am hopeful for the continuation. So that was a really good, uh, you know, prompt, Peyton. Um, I, I had something fun I just now thought of um, just going through this again. I was going to, you know, kind of ask you both, which individual scene or moment, if you could pick one, was like just the weirdest, craziest scene overall like if it's like you know for the sexual innuendo or the symbolism or the what the fuck is going on um i'll just you know i guess throw it to you Peyton, um to keep the keep the order going and not mix it up um you know just you know if you had to pick craziest moment what would it be that's kind of like saying to pick out the best fruit amongst thousands of like just supermarkets like i, know, I don't terrible <laughs> i i, I don't freaking know i i mean like ev- i i guess i guess my my, my cop-out answer is the fact that i don't have an a moment of this show that is that gets into absurd or gets into surreal that i don't like and i don't think there are many that really top each other i i do have to admit just for the, just for uh i i guess i guess i can think of two offhand uh, and, and they're they're in the same episode, and it's it's where you you find out that uh, 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 uh is Amaro is the uh, the guy that's uh, used to be with Haruko. Yes. Seaweed uh, Amaro. Yeah, Amaro. Yeah, yeah eyebrows. Yeah, <laughs> I, eyebrows. Uh, yeah. When she goes to, and when it turns out, you know, he used to be with her and all that, and she goes and uh, and makes a comment. She pulls out like this little like slingshot guitar and comments like, "That's all you got. That's a, that's as big as you can get, uh, as usual." Uh, and starts talking about how uh, you know Naoto's so much uh, got so much more and is so much better at this than him, and he starts you know just getting into this like, "Why are you being so mean to me?" And then proceeding after that, like you know, she's flying around, and then. Nauta pulls out his as this like you know like they 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 flat out just name they like oh it's a Gibson e- it's a Gibson EB zero or like you know hey, it's, it's like the nineteen hey. 19- what Epiphone G special nineteen nineteen sixty one edition okay Gibson. thank you thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I had a thing that said Gibson in front of me, so I was, I was thinking that was it. But I'm not going to. Yeah, oh yeah, the Rickenbacker. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, yeah, I was yeah. doing that. I was doing that off my head, and Peyton was making a mockery. Ah, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but uh, okay, what what did, you, what did you say it was? 19 sec- 1961 Epiphone B Special Gibson Bass. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> okay, so like they. They they name this off anyways. Like just, everyone in unison that's watching both you know Haruko and, and Amaro and the entire all of Amaro's crew that's watching to see if you know he can fight off the meteor or, uh, or fight off the baseball thing. That's the baseball episode. Uh, or no no 
No, no, it's not a. Anyways, sorry. Regardless, the point is, she's pulled out this tiny little guitar from Amaro, and then he pulls out his, and then they they flash over to the control room where they're all watching, and every single woman in the entire building has just this awful nosebleed, like their entire bottom half of their face is covered as they're staring at his guitar. I'm just like, this is this is some of the most juvenile humor and i love it like well, they, they don't the, take themselves seriously with this they also like the, then the entire audience and everyone the show needs to take a second to step back and realize that the point of that moment was to admire just how hung this 12 year old is exactly which makes it incredibly creepy but also incredibly hilarious i i, I don't know like the entire uh the the entire series in short is great for absurdity and for over the top but i say that's that's one of my favorites just because it's it's so blatant it's so ridiculous everyone's reacting to it everyone's reacting in unison to it and it's it's just perfectly cut to cut to cut for every every part of the scene uh, so that's that's probably one of my one of my favorites yeah, right. Fair enough. Uh, Jordan, you got any uh, just kind of weirdest or creepiest or what the hell's going on moments uh, that you want to share? Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, <laughs> well, God, there's one moment that kind of just consistently sticks with me. It's kind of just a little go- goofy moment. It's when uh, Mamimi has the... Uh, the terminal core of the big final boss. And I think this is the last episode when she's just like the terminal core starts acting like a little puppy and she's just carrying it around and like eating everyone's cars and scooters and shit. Uh, that was just a fun little, fun little romp to me, but uh, beyond, beyond that, like as far as like a really uh, absurd kind of moment, you know, they have, they have those bits where it just turns into manga for like 30 seconds of the, of the show where it's just like shaking and screaming panels of a, of a manga. And then in the, I think it's again, the final episode, they, they do that. And uh, like, as soon as they cut back from the manga to the, the anime, they decide to, take time out like out of that to just explain how like how much harder and more expensive it is to do the manga for the for the anime and uh like just just like point back to the first episode and go like after we did that first one uh, the the producers didn't want us to to do this anymore it was like too much of a pain and like and as much and as then I they accused it, us of being lazy was yeah it was how they fall yeah yeah Wait, did they accuse them of being lazy for uh oh yeah no they yeah the, no they say uh people accuse them for being lazy for doing the ma- the manga bit which like so as a as a comic artist i want to attest that the mo- <laughs> they spent they spend all that time going on about it and the manga bit is just like the still frame version of all the stuff that was moving and spasming around <laughs> all over the place anyway. And it's, it seems like just the much more, uh, like, again, again, I'm going to call back to like the kind of stuff that like clerks and shows like that were able to do with a very small kind of budget or a small kind of, kind of space. Like there, there are moments in other like Gynex guy next shows especially but like in all in all anime and in all animation like there are those moments where you can tell they ran out of money and didn't want to like make too complicated a scene or something or they needed to save it up for a big climax that they wanted later in the scene but then fooly cooly goes and just goes like okay we got one of those uh one of those moments we need to cool thing cool things down a bit okay let's just draw some panels of this as a manga instead of having to tween every single uh every single frame of animation and then i'll just shake it really hard and then tell people that that's the uh that that's the version of us not being lazy or like stretching too hard (laughs) i love love 
<laughs> I say the moments where they're actually being lazy are there. It's it's the episode that focuses on a uh, uh, Ninamori, the his classmate they were mentioning before. You couldn't remember the name of. They they have a point or Ninamori episode, sorry, where she's sitting on the bed with with Nauta and uh, they discover that Haruko is is up above them, and Haruko keeps answering questions. And her animation, her smile, is the exact same sequence six or seven times in a row of, like, her with no mouth and then her with a creepy grin. And then they pan back to the same still from of the other two, and then they just do that back and forth. And I, I, I swear it's deliberate. I, watching that, I, I'm, like, I'm convinced that that's, that's not just a money save. That was, like, it was too often to not be deliberate. And so they're, they're even smart about when they want to actually save money. Well, that's what happens when you, like, that's what, sorry, but that, that, that's what happens when you have the limitations of the, of the medium, and it's like, I've I'm, I'm never, like, discredit any animation for having to do, like, moments like that when they need to do it, but it's like, when they're really creative with those kind of moments is when it shines out, like, that's where you're backed into a corner because of, like, time or budget constraints, and that's the moment where you have to come up with something that's still funny, like, despite those kind of those kind of constraints and uh or even just do it to get it done quicker and you, you see it in pretty much every episode of this like they have uh it, it's just smart animation uh like smart design and smart story structure where they're using all of the building tension and like very low-key moments uh towards the towards the beginning and doing like all sorts of just like talking head back and forth and kind of kind of stuff or like rolling uh pan animations of their their painted backgrounds and stuff like that and then they save all the rest of that energy for these like beautifully articulated and fluid uh like robot monster battles at the end of every episode like that like when they just crank it up and they're like all right we're gonna animate the living hell out of this and it's gonna look great and it not only shows how how creative they are that the uh, like the talking head moments aren't like dissatisfying or like you don't feel cheapened by them at all because of how good they're are, are working with that but the entire like flow upwards to the climax and uh, climax in every sense of the word of the at the end of the show is uh, just really really well done. Yeah, absolutely. I think you both you know brought attention to the that in in various ways, and obviously Jordan, you very very detailed there. Um, I guess physician heal thyself. I have to answer my own question now. And I'm now just realizing how difficult that is. Um, but the you know, yeah just yeah. Back to you, asshole. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, I, I just off the top of my head, the um, like any any of the scenes with, and I'm thinking particular like the um, with so with with Haruko and his dad when they're like eating the eggs, that whole scene is just like really weird and uncomfortable. It's, it's so like, bothered. No, it right there. It's like this is this is kind of weird. Um, okay. And then also, like, I remember the first time seeing it, because, again, that was, like, that, actually, when they were doing that, that might have been the robot version, whatever, but then we find out shortly after that, that, oh, this is Robo-Dad, and he finds his dad, like, shriveled up, you know, behind a crawl space or in the closet somewhere, and, you know, I immediately, when I first saw that, was like, oh, this has gone dark, like, you know, like, there's his dad's corpse, uh, but then, so then he's running around with his, his dad's corpse like stuck on him, like it's Gakken no Kaiden or something, and <laughs> and then he just you know adds just adds water, like it's you know dehydrated food or something, and his dad comes back to life, and oh jeez, oh I guess so you do prefer your your real dad over the robot, huh? And it's just like that was one of many moments, of course, but that was one that really stuck with me when you know watching it, especially the first time, going what the hell is going on here what 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 is it where where is this show taking me where are you taking me <laughs> we turned off the main road and we're going down a dark dirt road where where are you taking me oh man 
What are you talking about, John? You've not ne- you've never been in a competition for romance and sexual favors with your maid slash crush between you and your father, and then your father dies but is a robot. I don't know. What are what happened to you, Kazuya Suramaki, Yoji Enokido? What happened? <laughs> what happened? It's like I, I feel I feel like there is there there there's gotta be some serious stuff that 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 uh if if these guys were to go into therapy, I think the therapist would just quit. But not but not 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 for being upset, just for like, yep, nope, you win, you're good. Uh, also, I you John, you mentioned the dark aspect, and and I just have to say that that's something I was reflecting on throughout is uh, watching it the third time. Is this show for being so lighthearted and absurdist has moments in it where you're like, damn, that that hit heavy. Uh, the the one that pops into my head is when when you're like sitting there finding out kind of uh they they hint at how Mamimi and and uh and uh Naoto's older brother whose name escapes me right now uh, Toski uh actually uh uh met is you know by the fact that he like saved her from a fire and then they kind of hint that oh he she actually may have been the one that set the fire because they have a whole pyromania episode and it and it gets like despite her being kind of absurd with it it gets pretty dark and pretty like this this girl is has some serious problems and really needs some serious help yeah but she doesn't get it yeah who's there for yeah you know like no no one is there for and 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 the moment that episode's over where he where Naoto's kind of supposedly kind of realizing I should maybe be being there for her a little more. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything. He he is caught up in his own little world, much like prepubescent angst tends to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, it, it just gets, it gets heavy. Shit gets heavy. Yeah, uh, another, like, you mentioned, um, what's her name? I think her first name is Aerie. Um, you know, is the, the mayor's daughter, you know, and, you know, you hear about which I'm sure, you know, many viewers could relate to, you know, is you hear, you know, she's having troubles at home and she's trying to keep up, you know, class president and, and, you know, put on a strong face, stiff off her lip, whatever you want to say um, at school. And, you know, she's just a kid and, you know, you hear like her parents are like going through a divorce and stuff uh, alluded to and, and all of that. And you just think, yeah, that was one of those moments you're like, oh man, that's some heavy there. Well, it's even it's even more so than just like troubles at home, right? It's like her father's a like a politician, like a uh, he's, or, he's the mayor of the town, yeah. Yeah, the the mayor and getting reported on by Nauta's dad's trashy trashy zine, like yeah, they 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 have those that that's kind of like the they hit the hammer with both the realism and the absurdism because like every episode has its. Uh, kind of twist like that when Nauta beats his uh, beats his father's head in with a bat, and the only reason he didn't end up just murdering his father is because it was a robot. Or the <laughs> which at the time he did not know. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Or like yeah, like I mean, like you're like you were saying, Payne, where he sees his uh, up to then like best and like at some points seemingly only real friend sees sees her living off of a bag of day old like day old bread and starting fires with herself at like still at the scene and they just goes like oh never gonna never gonna hang out with with her again she doesn't doesn't need my help or doesn't need to be my friend or anything like that it's they're beating you up from from each angle of yeah i hate to keep saying the absurd of the of the phantasmagal and uh the the realamo i don't know there's some (laughs) ones for you guys to play around with yeah there you go i i i absolutely i i just i'm really responding to what you're saying jordan because i had uh you know written up something about that about again you know, this, this work, Legend of Black Heaven, and I'm seeing that with Fooly Cooley now, it's that whole, there's some authors and, you know, directors and what have you who 
you know, our, and, and I think, you know, Gynex and particularly with uh, the, the crew on uh, Fooly Cooly, I think they succeeded at this. It's that making the fantastic relatable and it's making the mundane extraordinary. It's that whole topsy-turvy switching those things up. And, you know, if, if you can do that, quote unquote, right, you know, it's, it, you don't even have to like be able to put words to it. It just, it just works. And I think, I think we've all kind of been <laughs> describing that in, in a lot of different ways when you, when, when you do that. Um, well, and I, I think that's, that's exemplified a little bit. Sorry. I don't hope you don't mind if I cut in real quick, but, but the, one of the biggest unsolved mysteries of this show and, and it's, it's really little and you can miss it if you're not, and not like really paying attention to it is there, there's always the same message on all of Mamimi's cigarettes. And it always says, never knows best, but it's always partially smoked. So you don't know if there's more to the message or if that's the entire message. And that is like one of the few things that they have not like really kind of, uh, there's a lot of theories, but there's no like cohesive theory. Whereas a lot of the other symbolism, there's at least some like, uh, you know, gu- there are there are guides to Fooly Cooly online to kind of help you follow along with the absurdity. But that is one thing that nobody's ever really been able to be like, yeah, that that makes sense. It's like one of the most mundane things is the text on her cigarette, and yet it's the one thing nobody can really get. Wow, that's another thing. I I, I remember seeing the text, but I didn't even think about if it's you know partially are we missing a little bit from it being lit on one end. I I never even thought about that. So. That just is, you know, another that uh, case of, or it's exhibit A, exhibit B, whatever letter of, you know, why I think, uh, you know, Fooly Cooly is, is a work of art because it has stuff like that where there, there isn't a simple answer. And as much as it's nice sometimes maybe to, for uh, some people prefer it more than others, but, you know, to have something where there's like a guide or something, um, a lot of art, it, it doesn't work that way. It's just you're given something and you're not told how to interpret it. You're not told how to respond to it, how to react to it. Um, it just is. And, you know, it's just kind of, then it's, it's, it's left into the, it's in the minds of everybody who, who experiences it. So uh, I think, uh, I think we'll wrap up here today, gentlemen. Uh, is there any last minute, uh, last thoughts that uh, either of you want to want to get off before we bow out today as anticlimactic? or climactic as that may be let's just end it hard cut <laughs> yeah uh, I, I, I guess I, I i i think we would be doing a discredit though uh you know uh john john and i i end up on this as uh podcasts for most episodes i've i've been gone for a couple uh jordan's first timer and he as he's mentioned a couple times he's also a comic artist uh, I, I imagine we can we can put the link in the description to his uh, artist page in our uh, description of our video. I forgot to but ask his, that. Would you want uh, that, Jordan? Can can we put that on the upload and have links to your stuff? Thanks for like actually reminding me to plug stuff. I just wanted to hard cut on like whatever the <laughs> last word of Fooly Cooly was. I think it was uh, the the umbrella staple never falls or something. I don't know, but um. Yeah, my my stuff is on uh, jordanscribbles.com and uh, Jordan Scribbles on uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Tumblr. Uh, also, I am doing a Patreon on uh, patreon.com slash jordanscribbles, and that's for the graphic novel I'm working on, Batfish, which is, again, like I said earlier with the absurd coming out of the real cheat. It's about a bunch of monsters who live in a rundown Midwestern city. So take what you will of that. Check it out. All right. I want to check that out myself. And, uh, you know, we will have for, for those listening, uh, we're going to have uh, links to all of those that Jordan mentioned on the YouTube upload in the description. So be sure to check those out. Uh, I like to think everybody I've ever had on this cast is creative in their own special way. Um, but, you know, real talk for this one, uh, Jordan here, we really had a, a creative person talking about a very, shall we say, creative work, uh, Fooly Cooly. Uh, you are going to want to, you know, check out his stuff. It might not be your cup of tea, but, y- you know, just, just for just it'll be your cup crazy of tea. fantastic art and just, just a, a sense of humor that I cannot even describe. Uh, y- you got to go check it out. 
So, um, and I guess here, here's, uh, I was just thinking like, we can't end it like the Sopranos in mid sent but we're not family guy. We're not the Sopranos. We're not fully cooly. So I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and just do a little tail end here is, uh, speaking of Patreon, this was another episode sponsored by Did You Know Anime for just $1. And uh, if you would like to have your name or moniker uh, spoken at the end of the cast and put in the description, uh, we'll have links to that, of course, as well. And also, um, I guess as of this recording now, we this was our first recording in 2018. Uh, rest in peace, VidMe. Uh, we did have an account there, as many others did, uh, but VidMe uh, is no longer up so uh it was a good run though so anyone who was there hope you stick with us on itunes or youtube uh we're going to keep the good times going we're going to rotate out the titles uh maybe rotate out the chairs have some returning guests maybe some new friends maybe some old friends and you never know what title we're going to pick so if you uh, once again if you have suggestions please leave them in the comments if there's something you want to see us talk about because we're always looking even if we haven't seen it we're always looking for good new things to watch thank you Peyton. without you i've probably been forgetting to say that every time so what, what, did, I, Shucks, go what on. did i do without you so thanks again gentlemen and thank you listeners and viewers and we'll see you next time